Welcome into Hitting Hard with John Chuckery here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Today on the show, we told you that June was moving month. Anybody buying what Quinn Snyder's selling? And it's still Grady's team? It's all next. It's Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked On Sports Atlanta. This is Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. And it starts now. Hitting Hard is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We ask you to subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcast and get the latest episodes of Hitting Hard as soon as they become available. Check us out on the Sirius XM app as well and give me a follow on my personal Twitter page at JMCH316. So we told you that June would be moving month for the Atlanta Braves. And boy, howdy, have they played well this month. Let me give you by the numbers what the Braves have done this particular month. Braves have played 16 games in the month of June. They are 13 and 3, 113 runs scored. So that comes out to be seven runs per game with 176 hits. They've hit 34 homers for the month, driven in 108, 60 walks, 109 strikeouts, 14 stolen bases to only two caught, and they're hitting, are you ready for this? 314 as a team in the month of June, 378 on base percentage, a 550 slugging, and a 928 OPS. That's not like Olsen or Riley or somebody like that. That's 928 OPS as a team, Harris, Arcia, your bench guys, whoever, it's been remarkable. And we brought this up weeks ago, right? The idea of this would be the time for the Braves to capitalize in the month of June and stretch their lead out and distance themselves from the Phillies, from the Mets. Now it's a, a double-digit lead over the Mets. And with the Braves being in Philadelphia tonight, if they handle their business starting tonight, there's no reason why that when we get to July, this couldn't be 10, 12, 13 games when all is said and done. And the Braves look like a machine right now. And again, I don't care if they are playing last place teams. We talked about the fact, look, Colorado, Detroit, you know, Washington Nationals, hey, Those are the teams that are on your schedule. And this was going to be the month for the Braves, and they have been outstanding. Their offense has been outstanding for this month. When you've got a 928 OPS as a team, as a team, you have a 928 OPS. Think about how much good work you're doing. Think about not only how good your top guys are, but everybody is contributing. And that's the thing about this Braves team that we talk about, that when you look at what their lineup is, when you get into the seven, eight, and nine spots in this order with Michael Harris or Arcia or whoever, you know, Ozzy or or Azuna or whatever mix and mash of guys that you have at the bottom of your order, that's the thing that separates the Braves from everybody else. Everybody else got good players at the top of their lineup. Everybody has good hitters one through four, 
But when you get down into the seven, eight, and nine, and you look at a guy like Garcia, who's been outstanding this year, then look, that's what separates the Braves from all the other pretenders is the depth of their lineup, the quality of their lineup. And Garcia should be an all-star. We talked about this last week. He should be an all-star. He deserves to be it. Michael Harris is still a dynamic player. He's a plus war defender. His batting average is starting to come up. He's still stealing bases, scoring runs, getting on base. He's doing a lot of different things to contribute to this lineup. And then obviously you factor Ronnie's the MVP of the league. Matt Olson's having a big, you know, home run year. Sean Murphy's having his best year as a major league pro offensively because he isn't playing in Oakland Alameda Coliseum anymore, that god-awful, god-forsaken place. So again, the depth of this lineup has been outstanding. And hitting 314 as a team, I don't care who you're playing. That's an outstanding number. And we talked about this, that this would be the month where things would start to separate out for the Braves. And it's not like the Braves have been lights out pitching. The Braves ERA for the month of June is 4.12. They've struck out a lot of guys, but their ERA is 4.12 for the month. Now, look, when you score seven runs a game, you can afford to give up four runs a game, right? You can afford to have an ERA that's in the fours when you score seven runs per game. And they're being carried by their offense, which there's no problem with that. Again, considering all the injuries that the Braves have had to their starting rotation, you would think that the offense would carry you for periods of time. And they've delivered. And it's all up and down the lineup that has that has come through for this team. So you can get away with a 4-1-2 ERA. That's your starters. That's your bullpen. You can get away with some of those performances simply because this offense has been so good that they're just going out and mashing people every single night. You average seven runs per game, even over a 16-game sample size, you're doing some work. You're, do, you're doing some work because you're bound to have some off nights. You're bound to have some one-to-nothing games, two-to-one games. You're bound to have some nights where you strike out a whole bunch or you run into a hot pitcher or whatever. And that's not happened for this Braves club. They're just mashing their way, mashing their way through all of this. And we talked that the schedule was going to open up come June. They've run a pretty good gauntlet of their schedule, seeing the Dodgers in multiple series against the Padres and, you know, the Mets and the Phillies and everybody else that they've seen. And now once you get past this uh, Philadelphia Philly series, They'll go into a weekend series with the Cincinnati Reds, who, by the way, they're red hot as well. Great, crazy to think, but the Reds are approaching their um, franchise winning streak. They've got nine in a row. Their their franchise winning streak is 12 in a row. So, you know, that series will be interesting, although I still don't think the Cincinnati Reds are a very good team. Joey Votto's back. He, was, he played his first game last night. I still don't think that, I mean, even with the nine-game winning streak, I still don't think that they're a really good ball club. They're only like three three games above 500, even with a nine-game winning streak. So it's not like they've had an outstanding season. So you still feel good about where the rest of this month is heading. And if you handle your business in Philadelphia the way they handle their business against the Mets and they handle their business against the Colorado Rockies and beat up on those bad teams, they just mashed Colorado, right? They just pummeled Colorado. But if you handle your business against these bad teams, 
you'll make your life a lot easier. And hence, you're seeing the idea of Braves are up by eight over the Phillies. Braves are up by, I think it's 12 and a half over, over the New York Mutts. And they have a five-game lead over the Florida Marlins, who, let's be honest, Florida Marlins are not challenging the Atlanta Braves. It may be a five-game lead, and I'll give the Marlins all the credit in the world that they're looking like a playoff team, but they're not really a challenge to the Atlanta Braves. It, the, the Braves will be an 8, 10, 12-game lead by the time that we get toward you know August and September, and this thing will start to balloon and expand. But the Braves have taken advantage of what they needed to do come this month of June. They have taken full advantage of it, and 13-3 and three proves it, and 314 batting average with a 928 OPS. That's just that that's it's crazy to think about one a, a team, not like four or five other best players, a team that as a group, as an entire roster offensively, has a 928 OPS for a 16 game stretch. You can't fake your way through that. You can't have one or two good, really good games and then the rest be dunders. You can't figure, you can't just, you know, one nothing, two. No, seven runs a game over 16 games, 314. That's an outstanding mark. And it shows you just how good this Braves team is and the fact that we said this was going to be moving month for the Braves. This was going to be the month where they would put some distance between themselves and Philly and the Mutts and everybody else that this division, while I won't say it's over, it's starting to look that way that I don't know who's going to catch the Braves. It ain't going to be the Phillies. It ain't going to be the Mutts. It ain't going to be the Nationals. It ain't going to be the Marlins. So there's nobody left to go over and take this division over. All right, let's talk about our friends. As this episode is brought to you by FanDuel. FanDuel is America's number one sports book. And as we're neck deep into baseball season, no better place to get your fix on than what FanDuel is. So new customers to FanDuel.com can claim your no-sweat first bet where you can get as much as $1,000 if your first bet doesn't win. That's $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. You go to FanDuel.com slash locked on today to join up. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, to join up today. And listen, FanDuel allows you their safe, secure, super easy-to-use app. They allow you to bet on everything from point spreads to money lines to whatever Aaron Judge is going to hit as far as the number of home runs go, everything in between. So don't miss your chance to snag a no-sweat first bet where you can claim as much as $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win when you join FanDuel today. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel is the official partner of Major League Baseball. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. So anybody buying what Quinn Snyder is selling here? Because Quinn Snyder did an interview with Jeff Schultz of The Athletic. And... Uh, they asked him about his role within the organization, right? Besides being a head coach, what's his influence and what's his role, okay? And again, he brought up the collaborative and all this kind of stuff. And he said, oh, no, I'm I'm just here to coach. And, you know, that's Landry Fields and Kyle Korver. Whatever roster that they give me, I'm just going to coach those guys up, okay? Downplaying the idea that he doesn't have any influence in what the Hawks are doing this offseason or what have you, okay? 
Okay, I'm not buying any of this stuff. I'm I'm not buying what the Hawks are trying to sell me right now. And and, and here's why. Okay, with regards to Quinn Snyder. So you mean to tell me that they pulled him off of a beach for an extended vacation to come coach this group of vagabonds? And he just said, "Oh yeah, I'll I'll coach him because it, it's it's going to be good. It's a good time." And coach this group of misfits that have done nothing from their Eastern Conference Finals trip, haven't built anything over the last couple of seasons, have, have are barely finding their way into the playoffs. And he said, "Oh yeah, I want to coach these guys so badly." See everything that we have heard about Quinn Snyder. I've talked to the play-by-play guy. I've talked to the beat writers for the Salt Lake uh, Tribune. I've talked to other coaches. I've talked to other people. Everything about Quinn Snyder has said that one of the big things that he was his hang-up in Utah was the fact that he wanted to have more say and influence over personnel for this roster. And I understand that. Look, I mean, coaches today, look, Pop's got control. Doc Rivers had control. You, you want control or at least some say in your voice in the room that is going to be heard. But Quinn Snyder is trying to downplay. Oh, no, no, no. It's, you know, it, it's Landry Fields and all that. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, I'm not saying that Quinn Snyder has the final say and the final authority to make the decisions about what the roster is going to be. I'm not saying that he has all the final says and different stuff like that. But you can't tell me that Quinn Snyder decided 75% of the way through the season, coming off a trip to the beach, that he wanted to desperately go coach this team. Of all teams, the, the most underachieving franchise in the NBA, he wanted to coach, come coach these guys. Not buying that. Now, I know they paid him championship coach caliber money, right? His money, where he makes per year, puts you in that championship coach kind of range. Doc, Steve Kerr, Eric Spolstra, Mike Boonholzer, you know, Nick Nurse. I mean, he's in that range. He's in that, in that, the only, the only coach that is exceedingly above higher than what um, Snyder is, is Popovich, which understand again, no, no issues there, but you don't, but it's not like he's getting, you know, Frank Vogel money or, or lower level money to come in and coach the Hawks. He got paid top tier coaching money. He got paid championship caliber coaching money. And you mean to tell me that after all of the things we've heard about Quinn Snyder, that he's just content to sit on the sidelines and coach? Not buy. I'm not buying that for a second. This whole organization, I'm starting to not buy. Okay? See, again, I wanted Tony Wrestler to come out and do two things. Tell me, are we going in the luxury tax this year? And give me the pecking order for what the organization looks like. I don't care if you give me a flow chart and it and it says, you know, on here. And again, if Snyder's third, fourth, whatever in the pecking order, that's fine. Give me a flow chart and let me see it. Because I don't believe for a second that we're built up to hear all of this kind of stuff that we've been led to believe that these are what the issues were and all this, that, and the other. Again, you know, they were very successful in Utah. They they were they were certainly one of the better teams in the in the Western Conference. They were a really good offense. They were one of the best offenses in the in the NBA. They were a good defensive team. They had the defensive player of the year in Rudy Gobert. Donovan Mitchell was around. Okay, 
So I'm to believe that all of a sudden now, all of this stuff that we've heard for the longest time isn't part of what Quinn Snyder wants to be a part of in the organization. He's just content to come in and coach. And he comes into this team of vagabonds and coaches them. And, you know, again, they didn't even get the boost. You know, you would think that, look, Georgia Tech football got a boost off a change in their coaches, right? They got a boost. We didn't get a boost. Where's my boost? They were 10 and 11 under Coach Quinn. 10 and 11 under Quinn Snyder. That's no boost. But I'm to believe that, oh, they pulled him off the beach and, yeah, he wanted to be here. Huh? I know he knows the organization, but what does he owe Tony Wrestler or whatever? And he could have had to pick his he could have had his pickers job. Look at all the guys that got fired in the Eastern Conference. Boonholzer and Doc Rick, all the championship coaches are gone. I don't believe for a second. And I'm not saying that Jeff Schultz is being duped or or he's dumb or anything like that. And I'm not saying Coach Snyder is lying full on where he just talks about this. But the fact is, is that he's going to have an influence on this roster. He didn't just come in here to sit on the sidelines because, again, he literally said, oh, well, you know, uh, I, I just coached the team that Landry gives me. Huh? What? You buying that? I'm not. I'm not getting duped for all of that stuff. I'm not believing and buying into all of that. But that's where we're at with all of this. That's where we're at. I, I'm, I know the draft's coming up Thursday. I, I'm not saying he's going to stand up there and, they're going to show him, you know, making the pick or whatever like that. But I don't believe for a second that after everything I've been led to believe, after everything that I've heard about, about Quinn Snyder, that all of this is all of a sudden it's making its way where, again, we're, we're just, I don't know, that, that, that we're just, we're, we're led to believe that all of this stuff has happened and it's just kind of happened in a vacuum. I'm just not buying any of that from Quinn Snyder. I'm just not buying the idea that he's been through all of this stuff just to coach the Hawks, an underachieving organization, and now all of a sudden we're supposed to believe and we're led to believe that he's not going to have any kind of say whatsoever when for his whole career it's been what he's wanted. Sorry, I'm just I'm just not buying the things that I'm being sold on right now. All right, as you make... Uh, hitting hard your first listen be sure to go in and leave us a comment that you're an everyday listener to the program so you're listening in five days a week to the program we thank you so much for being a part of our ever-growing community and certainly we do thank you for being a part of the show and listen we want you to let us know in whatever platform that you're listening on that you're an everyday listener to the program so um we thank you greatly for being a part of our community so is this still Grady's team or not? So David Onyemata had an interesting comment where he was talking about the idea of, he said this from David Onyemata, quote, this is his group. This is Grady's group. We're all here to compliment each other out there in the meeting rooms, on the field, everything. This is his group. And he continued on and said, the sky's the limit with this combination. I've known about Grady for the longest time, knowing what kind of player he is knowing what kind of respect he commands out there and just being able to compliment that and have us go out there and make plays. 
So is this Grady's team? I, I still think that it is. I, I think that when you look at what Grady Jarrett means to the Atlanta Falcons, that it's still his team, that this is still his defense. Now, again, he's not calling the plays. And, and again, he may not even be, I don't know, he may not even be the best defender, but I, I think that he probably, I think him and A.J. Terrell are the two, two best defensive players that the Falcons have. But Grady is one of those veterans that commands a lot of respect from other players across the league. He may not be the Aaron Donald. He may not be Miles Garrett. He may not be the Bosa brothers. He may not be some of those kinds of things. But he certainly does command respect from those guys. And he's a guy that people look at as a leader on this team. And that's one of the things about Grady that he's always exemplified is being a leader for this defense. He's always been one of those guys you could count on to be a leader for this team. And with that, you know, again, the old the old dog, right? You know, the old guard, the old dog. You know, there are a lot of younger players that probably look at, you know, again, a Taquan Graham and players like that that look up to Grady Jarrett. So, yeah, I, I do think in a lot of ways that this is still Grady's team. This is still his defense. He may not, he may at the end of the year when we look back, okay, and Eba Katie's made a big jump or this guy's made a big jump or this guy's made a big leap forward or this guy was the best player on our defense or A.J. Terrell and Okuda are the best cornerback, com- whatever it is. Grady's still the leader of this group, and, and I like that fact. And that's why it was so important a couple years ago to sign him to the extension, to sign him long term. And, and we had questions about that, right? I mean, we questioned that on the show was, okay, are they going to sign Grady to a long-term deal? You know, again, they had given Debo, they had given Deion Jones his long-term deal. Were they going to sign Grady? Or were they going to allow him to walk, thinking that he was a little bit older player, this, that, and the other? Were they going to let him walk? Because, again, we didn't even really know whether or not that he would pick, he was coming into free agency, he would pick the Atlanta Falcons that he may want to test the marketplace, not because he didn't like Atlanta, but just because he would test the marketplace and see what was out there. And so with that, he's signed up. He's here for the long term. He's going to be one of the cornerstones of our defense. I still think he's one of the you know three or four best players that the Falcons have. And people keep talking about his down year last year. What was his down year last year? He had seven sacks last year. What was his down year? I thought Grady for the first half of the season played outstanding football. He was off to one of his best starts in his career last year. I think he's still got plenty left in the tank. I don't look at Grady Jarrett as a guy who is about to fall off a cliff and he's on the real downslope of his career. I don't look at that for, for Grady Jarrett. And now you've given him some help with Onyemata, with Calais Campbell, with Taquan Graham. Now you've got some guys that can help Grady out in this whole rotation. Why would that not be a good thing where Grady can thrive and he can feast now? You know, for so long, we've been looking at Grady Jarrett and saying, man, can we get him some help? Can we get him some help in all of this? Can, can Can we figure out a way to give him a little bit more help on the defensive line? I'm not even talking about sacking the quarterback. I'm not talking about the guys on the outside edge. I'm talking about just partnering him up with somebody standing next to him. And that's why it was kind of funny to look at that pro football focus list where Grady was the third ranked player on his own defensive line. 
that Calais Campbell and Onyemata were rated higher and graded higher than what Grady Jarrett was. But this is his team. This is his, this is, this is, I think he's still the captain of this defense. I still think that he's the guy that when you look at where this defense, where the defense gets their tone set. And I think that even Calais Campbell would tell you that Grady haven't been here for his whole career, that this is his team. And I like the fact that there's that acknowledgement from other guys that, hey, Grady's commanding this respect. Grady's getting the respect of his peers. And that the fact that this is still his defense. I'm not saying that, again, that he's getting the scheme and all that, and they're building the defense around him and all this other kind of stuff. I'm talking about from a leadership perspective. And that's where I think that these guys that are younger players benefit so greatly from having Calais Campbell, from having a Grady Jarrett, from having guys that they can, you know, piggyback off of and learn about the success of this defense. Because again, we're relying on a lot of young guys. Our corners are still young. Abikati is still a young player. The D'Angelo Malones of the world are still young players. Taquan Graham is still a very young player. You know, even Jesse Bates, to a certain degree, he's still a young player. And I think when you combine the fact of Grady's leadership and the coaching ability of Jerry Gray and Ryan Nielsen to get this defense to play up to where we think they can be, then I think that we're going to see some better results out of all of this. Then, again, I don't know what our sack numbers are going to be, where we're going to lead the league in, what we're going to do this, we're going to do that. But this is still Grady's group. It is his group, and he is the leader of this defense. And, and again, Grady's been the stalwart for this team defensively, and he's going to be for the next few years. And I love that fact. It was so important to sign Grady Jarrett. And when you hear guys talk about his leadership and things like that, it makes you realize that that was that was such an important decision to make to bring him back and be a part of this group. All right, but thank you so much for making Hitting Hard with John Chuck for your first listen. Be sure to go in and leave us a comment on whatever platform that you're listening on that you're an everyday listener to the program. So we like to call them our everydayers. So we thank you so much for being a part of our ever-growing community. You can check us out on YouTube or subscribe for free on any of your favorite podcast platforms and get the latest episodes of Hitting Hard as soon as they become available. Also, check us out on the SiriusXM app and give me a follow on my personal Twitter page at JMCH316. Back with you tomorrow. This has been Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked on Sports Atlanta. 